Welcome, welcome, guys. We're back for another episode of The Lock-In. I am joined, as usual, by my good friend, uh, Ant to my deck, Bert to my Ernie, Beavis to my butthead, uh, Darrell Carney, welcome. Thank you, David. I'm delighted to be here. Delighted to be Beavis to your butthead. <laughs> well, we had a busy Sunday and Monday, Dara. Well, you actually had a busier one than me because you went deep in the Unibet Open. Uh, our good pal Dominic Nietzsche obviously took that one down, but can you give us a little rundown on what happened? Yeah, um, I mean, we've been grinding really hard the last few weeks. Obviously, the Unibet Online series came to its conclusion. The last tournament started on Sunday, finished on Monday. So I actually made three day twos, including the Unibet Open, as you mentioned. I was actually really short on the bubble and I just scraped through. I think I had three or four big blinds, but I did a bit of a spin afterwards and it was looking very good at one point. I was five of 22, still managed to blow out in 20th. Um, no regrets. Uh, various students contacted me to say, like, how the hell did you go from five of 22 to out in 20? But then's the breaks. Um, and uh, yeah, do, fair play to Dominic. He went ahead and won it. But like Dominic winning a poker Durham, that's not news. Like, me coming 20th, that's much more significant. <laughs> yeah, no, well, congratulations, Dominic. I think he won the best part of 70 grand, 68K, if I recall, um, in that uh, main event. Uh, there was a lot of money won in the series. I think it was 1.17 million across the series. So delighted with that. Without further ado, we got that out of the way. It's time to welcome in our special guest this week. It's a bit of a strange one because never before have we had someone back on the show as quickly as this but there's a very very good reason for this i assure you she is the canadian poker pro and uh, since her episode of the chip race i want to say five weeks ago she became a sponsored pro for acr and just three nights ago took down the poker stars anniversary million for 1.5 million dollars everybody knows who she is vanessa cade welcome thank you so much it's amazing to be back so soon <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking about this today. I mean, we, we like we do get people back, but it feels so long ago now because you know, Vanessa, Vanessa, it was before Vanessa was a superstar, and literally only a few <laughs> weeks ago, and now she's poker's biggest superstar. And so I feel like it's still be before Vanessa's a superstar right now. <laughs> Maybe but one day. Well, look, on this show, we talk about the news and what's going on in poker. Well, you you kind of are the news this week, Vanessa. Uh, for those who might not be aware. They must be living under a rock. Back in December, you criticized Gigi Poker's signing of Instagram Playboy Dan Bilzerian, drawing an on-brand vulgar response from the supposed ambassador. In February, that spat was sort of revived when Gigi attempted to paper over the cracks by partnering with the female-only Flip Facebook group. Then a fortnight ago, you had your legacy affiliate deal terminated by Gigi Poker on the grounds that you calling out Bilzerian on his blatant misogyny was not okay, but of course his blatant misogyny was just fine. That that seems to be part of the course. Uh, nothing they can do about that. Before we turn to the good news, and I really want to spend most of this on the good news, Vanessa, um, it struck me how somehow in all the machinations of this, a situation where it all began with pretty ugly misogyny, we were talking about three women. We were talking about and debating three women who had lost something or maybe materially lost in some way, how, you know, you'd obviously lost this deal, how Diva Byrne, Gigi's female community advocate, was put in a spot where she could or wouldn't advocate at exactly the moment where it seemed appropriate that she might, and how the lady, whose name I won't mention, who 
wrote a terrible message to you ending your deal um, was brought into it all as well. And it just kind of made me a bit sick to my stomach just thinking how there are probably lots of cowardly men hiding in the shadows here. And, uh, and, and here we are debating three women on what really all stemmed from misogyny. Do you have any views on that? I, I mean, I think that's a really accurate summary. Um, definitely, I was well aware that like it felt like Gigi Poker was really using um, at least one woman. Maybe, I don't know if uh, the, the employee who wrote me, the it was a Skype message, um, if that was from her or if they just thought it would be a better idea that it come came from her, but she was my affiliate contact. So made some amount of sense. Um, that said, like uh, with Flip and Diva, like I feel like that was just like a really obvious like human shield type situation where they were hoping she could absorb all the bad press about any of that kind of thing. And they just put her there and like, she just have to deal with it. So I like, I feel bad for her in that spot for sure. And like, obviously it feels like most of the wrongdoing in this spot, kind of as you described, probably comes from uh, like men in that case who are behind these women. Um, like not to say that every guy at Gigi Poker is bad. In fact, I suspect the vast majority are fine, but um, clearly the actions they took in the spot were to like use women to try to protect them against backlash from a guy hurting women from their company. Absolutely. Dara, you obviously followed this story. It was hard not to follow it. It was probably the biggest ongoing recurring story we've had since the Mike Postle stuff from a year ago. It was it, it, it sort of had, you know, new layers being peeled back, it seemed like every week. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I, I, I think in terms of how it played out, um, you literally couldn't have written a better script <laughs> because... Uh, the, the stand Vanessa took and the reaction to it by um, some very misguided individuals did sort of galvanize people around the issue. And when Dive, uh, well, sorry, when um, when Vanessa was deep in the Sunday Million, that suddenly, you know, anybody being deep in that spot who was known would have been a big deal. But the fact it was Vanessa of all people. And as an example, like my wife has almost zero interest in poker, but even she was engaged by the story and, and, and outraged at the way it had played out. Um, so I was railing the final table and she was railing it as well. And she was screaming every time Vanessa was all in. So I think this really resonated with women in a way that um, probably no other event has in recent years. So I think there's this, this has the possibility to be genuinely re, a really positive thing for women. Also, I think in terms of the type of role model that Vanessa is, you know, a strong outspoken woman, but also actually a genuinely legitimate player, somebody who's paid her dues, grinded online, put a lot of work into getting better and, and, and now getting the rewards. I think this is, I think this is the kind of female role model that has the potential to 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 really kickstart um or to increase the, the involvement of women and get women interested i i had a coaching session this afternoon with a, a female and she was completely um inspired by, by by vanessa's story yeah quite right too and i gotta say um, my girlfriend sharon was doing the exact same thing uh demanding that i give her updates but every five or ten minutes screaming in when you won the all in confrontations it seemed like you weren't going to do it actually on that final table you were obviously in ladder mode for quite a bit but then uh, coming into the the, the latter stages uh, things just all went so well um before we get to that tournament obviously which was the uh you know most incredible cherry on top 
it was a good week anyway, because you had just been signed by America's Card Room. We've had Phil Nagy on the show. And it's got to be said, you know, he gets stick from lots of different people. and He has done for, for years, but he has an infectious enthusiasm for the game of poker. And Vanessa, you told me off camera, actually, that he's a total workaholic as well. That from what you've seen, he just never stops putting the time in to try and make his company better and, and, and work hard for ACR. Can you chat a bit about that? Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I've known him for a few years and like we've kind of talked off and on and there are times where like I know he was busy with a ton of stuff and um, we'd be he'd be messaging me at like seven in the morning about work stuff and then like still going on about it through the day and like into 11, 12 p.m. he's still like working on stuff and there were a few weeks there where I'm like you need to take it easy like this is probably not good for your health and like <laughs> Um, I, so I like, like you say, he's just one of the most passionate people I feel like in poker and just really wants to make the site good. Like he genuinely does. Decent talent spotter too. He's, he's timed this one pretty brilliantly for himself. Uh, <laughs> Dara, you wrote that excellent piece. I want to say almost a month ago now, but it feels like it, it keeps getting brought up because every single publication in poker has tried to kind of glom onto it for, for not pay me either. <laughs> Yeah, well, yes, I see. Well, pay Derek. Come on, come on, guys. Poker news and everyone. Actually, I think I was one of the people who glommed on. Actually, no, it's fine. Don't pay him. He's fine. He's happy. Um, Derek, obviously, in that piece, you spoke about would be sponsored players and sort of what they should do, how they should, you know, maybe act and behave. But also, you said that when they consider signing for a site, they should consider who they're signing with. And you said, and I quote, this isn't a purely ethical question. Can, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, what I mean by it isn't a purely ethical question is like a lot of the guys that I talk to, they're, they're like young grinders starting out and they just want to get a deal because they see it as free money and they don't really care who the deal is with. They just want, they'll, it's it's like just space for hire on their chest and whoever is willing to pay will get it. But like I always say to them that like, if, you, if you go with a site that has, like serious issues and also i mean all all sites have issues to some degree and 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 people criticize it no site is perfect but if you go to a site that has done something seriously which has pissed people off when people see you wearing that badge they will bring it up with you and they will talk to you 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 are seen as a representative of the company i mean you and i both know that when something happens in unibet people contact us privately uh you know if if if, if there's a problem with their account or whatever so on a much larger scale, if a site is doing something which people really don't like or don't approve of, and you decide to represent that site, you will be associated with. And, and I mean, that's that's I think that's only fair, um, because at the end of the day, you what you 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 have made the decision to represent that site. Well, obviously, that sort of brings us nicely in two ways to this. So, you know, you have on one hand someone like Bilzerian, who is representing a site. He's a brand ambassador. Not that he's doing very much other than that one vulgar tweet. Vanessa, you're now representing a site. What do you think the duties and responsibilities of a sponsored player are? Oh, man, that's a big question. I mean, you know, I think there are like multiple facets to that, probably. Like your duties to the company, to the players, to... Um, the community within our environment here like like social or ethical things like I think you have a lot of them from different facets and actually some of them can sometimes conflict but um, I think just trying to choose what's best for the most people probably is what I would go with and like 
try to influence people to have fun and like do what is smart and safe for them. And yeah, I mean, we're just here to basically promote a sport that all of us love and hopefully get more people having fun with it. Well said. Well, let's get to the story of the day. Let's be honest. You fired twice in last weekend's anniversary special Sunday Million. After Bullet 2, your account was empty. You had to do that thing that we all have to do from time to time, which is deposit more money to get that third bullet in. Three days later, there was 1.5 million in your account. What happened? (laughs) To be fair, um, I think I probably deposit every other weekend on on Poker Stars because I only play the Sunday million. I kind of just like, I'll usually like fire two or three bullets and then I'll min cash and I'm kind of just like slow, like even slightly down kind of over the last bit. I think twice I made it into the final 90. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, hundred percent sure on that, but my very first Twitch stream ever, um, I was down to the last 90 of the Sunday million. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. And I think we got down to like 86 or something and then just busted in some flip. And then there was another time where we were like around there. And again, I'm like, not sure what place exactly um we busted but something like that so basically like it's just been hovering like around a couple sunday million buy-ins in my account for like ages and every time that kind of just hit zero i'll just put two more buy-ins in and, and that'll be it so like last weekend i don't think i deposited but the one before i probably probably did and in this case, I fired two bullets and I was like, ah, the guarantee on this is so good. You can register all the way to the end of day two. Like, how am I not, how am I not firing this? Like maximum bullets. We'll, we'll put all the bullets into this that are necessary. And so, yeah, I just ended up depositing two or three more bullets worth and then shipping it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were chatting a little bit during it because obviously it took place over three days and you made day two. And I think we were chatting between day two and three. You were going back with 68 left or something like that. That's and right. you, you were in with a shot, it's got to be said. You know, you were 12 of 68. You're probably going to win that, what, one in 40 from there, maybe something like that. It's it's like, it's a real chance. And in particular, maybe one in four, you're going to make the final table. So what was it like the night before? What well, you must have been going in with some butterflies or some sort of mom spaghetti type situation. Man, there have been spots where I've just been in random day twos. Like the first few times I think that you are going into a day two, I like I never slept. Like I was so excited. I think one of my first World Series of Poker events. I'm like, holy shit, I made it to the second day. We got a bag. Um, I can't sleep and and you just don't sleep and it's like really bad. But this time luckily for whatever reason i had no problem falling asleep um and i don't think i maybe slept the best because i looked pretty tired when i woke up but um but at least i fell asleep because that could have been like a huge spot to be like really really bad to be tired in um but i probably got a good seven hours i think so which is which is not bad considering the amount of stress that that could be or excitement slash stress i mean something in between the two Absolutely. Well, well, Dara, as you said in your article, from a sponsored player's point of view, it's not so much about big results anymore. That said, <laughs> this is such a particular... If you look at a big result, this is it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it also has, as you mentioned, that sort of fairy tale component to it where mm-hmm. Vanessa had a shitty, shitty couple of months, um, stood tall while, you know, basically being attacked uh, on all fronts. And, uh, and, you know, is now making mainstream headlines and, you know, could well, you know, generate a, a poker boom, maybe a, a, 
an increase in numbers of women in the game, that would be wonderful to see. Is this so much more than just one person winning one tournament, Dara? Yeah, no, I think it, I, th I think it absolutely is. Um, and I mean, this is something this is something I'm I feel quite critical of a lot of uh, poker ambassadors. Like, I think w when you're a poker ambassador, your job is to sell the game, and uh, you, you know. That, that 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 covers two aspects first of all content creation and most ambassadors to be fair these days do 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 content creation there's there, there are very few of the old-fashioned ambassadors who just spun around live events with a patch on their on their chest um but that in a sense that he's preaching to the choir poker has done a very bad job the last few years of reaching out uh, to, to the mainstream media and it's difficult because like the mainstream doesn't show too much uh, interest in us most of the time um, but I think we should do whatever we can. And I mean, I'm, I'm mindful of this uh, earlier this afternoon. I did a, um, I recorded a main, uh, an appearance on a mainstream podcast here in Ireland, which mostly covers sports stars. I'm certainly the first poker player they've had on. And I do feel that that's part of the job of being uh, an ambassador for poker, that you have to, every opportunity you get, you should take them. Like I hear about ambassadors turning down interviews, for example. And like, I get if you're Phil Helmuth or Daniel Nagano, you probably can't say yes to everyone. But to be fair to those guys, they, they do say yes to a lot of people. But like you hear about other people who are like really not doing very much and they're, and they're still turning down interviews. And I, I just, that, that just doesn't compute for me. Literally the whole point of an ambassador is to, to promote the game, not just the site that you're uh, representing, but just the game generally, because that's good for everybody. Um, so it is something I feel uh, we need to do better as, as, as an industry and a sport. In the case of Vanessa, I mean, this is just such an amazing story that it will get, it, it, it has the potential to get a lot of mainstream uh, attention and that's brilliant and it's exactly the, the right kind of attention as well it's it's attention for you know somebody who is a genuine role model who has worked very hard rather than just somebody who got lucky or did something outrageous well said and i like how you put it there that we're you know we might represent unibet vanessa represents acr but we're all representing poker and that's sort of the maybe most important part of the job vanessa in your post-match twitch stream which was very long by the way i gotta say i did try and tune into most of it but at some point i fell asleep i think dara might have even fallen asleep too and he goes to bed later than me um you, you said how you'd gotten into top 20 spots with 30 to 100k kind of amounts up top quite a few times over the last few years. You sort of alluded to it a moment ago too. Um, you said how you've been sort of treading water for a little while and how that was sort of creating a lot of frustration for you, which I think all poker players can relate to. Poker tournament poker in particular uh, has so much variance attached. Big field tournament poker, my God, you know, we're, we have to be masochists to some degree. Because of that, it's good to be process oriented rather than results oriented. Um, that variance is just too huge. Uh, just, you know, our, our, our minds have to sort of adjust somehow. A little while back, you decided that you had been coasting, that you hadn't been putting in all the effort or as much effort as you could in all aspects of your life, be it health, fitness and poker study. Can you tell us a bit about what motivated you to turn it around and how it's been going? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I was just taking a look at um, a lot of the people around me in poker and seeing like a lot of success with other players like one of my friends Landon obviously new on the scene and immediately a very big hit everywhere um, really probably worked harder than anyone I think I've seen out of the gate and just like really grinded it out for 
um, you know, five, six months. And like, it just went to show, I think that particular case, I mean, like all of my friends are working hard on this kind of thing. And I think I spent a lot of my life just really used to kind of being like a low level of good at stuff when I just first hopped into it. And so I never really had any motivation to like really try to get very, very good. And I think that's a common theme throughout my life where it's like, you know, I try stuff and I just tend to like be okay at it right away. And so maybe like, I don't have a lot of pressure on me to like really put in the time and effort to try to really excel. And then I've just been watching people around me like Landon and other players who are doing the work which is like, it's not even that bad <laughs> to like run Sims and like review hands um, and stuff like that. Like talk with other people who are like crushing the fields you want to be crushing. And the success they've had in such a short amount of time just made me look at what I was doing and saying like, look, I can complain about all these spots I put myself in where I was down to the last 20 or whatever with like second in chips and got two outer to be out of the tournament. But if I'm being really honest, am I doing everything I could be doing? And the answer was no, like I'm deaf. I definitely wasn't. I was not taking care of my health. I, um, I basically just had a moment of like really looking at what I was doing and honestly admitting that I'm not trying as hard as I could be, not even close. And so kind of in November, December, I basically just decided to fix all of the things. <laughs> I hired a personal trainer, a nutritionist. Um, that was really big for me because I used to be quite heavy when I was a lot younger. And currently where I'm sitting right now is a hundred pounds less than where I was at. Um, so though I've been working with a trainer for like this last 20 pounds and I'm pretty much like five pounds off of my, my goal, which was like the photo I showed him was like an athlete. So we're close, which is crazy to me. Um, and so there's that. Um, I've just done stuff like uh, track down a therapist that I want to start talking to, which I think is really healthy, even if you think you're in like a good place in your life to talk to people. Um, I've set up Spanish lessons. I found poker coaches. Like I, for me also, I think I grew up in an environment where like my, my dad in particular was really resistant to ever getting help from anyone. He was very like stubborn and I can do this on my own and I'm, you know, smart enough to just know how to do stuff. And I think I picked up some of that. So in the last little bit, I've been trying to unlearn some of that and basically just get help from every expert in whatever field it is um, that's going to actually help me do what I want. And the one thing I've noticed from doing that the last few months is that the rate at which you end up where you want to be is accelerated like 10x by doing that. Like if I had done this, if I had done this 10 years ago, I like I might be so further along. It's hard not to dwell on that bit, but I mean at least at least in the last like six months or so of work, like man, it's amazing to see results so quickly. And I mean, obviously, this is an exceptional result that probably, you know doesn't happen in 10 lifetimes for most people, like even if you're a professional poker player. Um, so it's like an, an exceptional result. But even before this, um, you know, I was, I had taken a lot of time off poker. I was playing one or two days a week. And then um, this last bit, I had played like three sessions in a row before this Sunday million. And I hit like six final tables in three days. And the first day I only played like three tournaments. Like it was crazy. I just, the results are like there if you put in the work, basically. 
It's very inspiring. Dara, you obviously stay very fit. I'm famous for how fit I am. That's well established. People people all say that to me whenever they see me. Um, How holistic... How holistic is your approach to poker when it comes to sort of mind and body? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I came into, I've said this so many times, I'm, I'm hesitating, but I came into poker from running and I was obviously extremely fit. Um, I was probably one of the fittest people on the planet at that point in terms of just natural or pure endurance. But uh, that definitely faded over the years as I stopped competitive running. And I reached a point in the middle of my career where I realized I'm not actually as mentally sharp as I used to be. I'm getting tired towards the end of sessions. I'm making stupid mistakes. So I, I re-increased my training. Um, I'm still not back where I was, but like I run 70 miles a week these days, which is about half what I did when I was running competitively. Um, but, but the difference it's made to just my mental clarity in game and, and, and stamina and energy is huge. So I've always felt that that's quite important. It's also really important for the mind. Like I, also, I always feel that my long run in particular, which I do once a week, uh, four hour run, that's like wiping the slate clean. Um, I, it, it, it resets all the mental garbage I have from the previous week or whatever bad stuff has happened and just gets me sort of back in the moment um, re- looking forward to the future optimistically. I, I, I actually think that stuff is all really, really important. I mean, when we came into the game, David, 13 years ago, the typical poker player was fat, out of shape, middle-aged man. Um, oh, whoa, 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 hang on. We're not going to start beating up on those guys. Oh, and that's not, that's not going to go well for me here. I don't like but, this. But, but, but over time, we have seen the, the, the like age and shape of the typical poker player change um, into something that looks more like an athlete. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely the case that uh, being physically fit is, is, is a huge advantage, even though it, it seems weird when like the only thing you have to do is click a mouse. No, fair play. This actually segues quite nicely to a conversation we were having during the week, Dara, when uh, I think you were mentioning a conversation you'd had with a student who had said something along the lines of how this year has sort of changed everyone's habits. You know, we've all had to adjust to lockdowns and the pandemic sort of way of living. And some people have really kind of grasped the opportunity with two hands, like Vanessa, obviously, in the last six months or whatever, has, uh, you know, put all that time into health and fitness and all that good stuff um but you know it's 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 certainly completely changed the way we live like i used to travel a lot more as everyone did too i'm sure and that's just like not how we do things anymore you're the the thrust of what you're saying was that your student felt like people would struggle to go back to the way they were because it was going on for so long that it was sort of starting new habits for all of us yeah his his his, this is, a, this is a guy who's a very businessman in sort of entertainment and catering and accommodation type areas. And he felt that there was such a dramatic change in people's habits happening that he, he for example, he was pointing to sport, that even when sport came back, the levels of interest just weren't there. Um, he felt it was almost like a circuit breaker where people had this period where they couldn't get their fix of all the stuff that were, were their primary habits and hobbies over the last few years and now they had to find new stuff and even when the old stuff came back they weren't rushing back to it then obviously there's the additional issue that people even if we get even when we get out of this pandemic and we're all vaccinated and etc uh, etc et will people still feel okay about cramming into a, into a crowd with a lot of people 
uh, at a sporting event or a concert, this sort of thing that like it, it'll it'll leave a mental trace for a long time, I think. And certain things have become you know bigger, and, and online poker is one of them. People are playing far more online poker, so. The question we're always debating is like when live poker comes back, will all the people who used to play live who now play online, will they just all go back to live or will they continue on playing online? Um, I'm still kind of on the fence on that, but my student felt very much that live poker will never come back as big as it was in the past. It'll be more like sport where it'll come back, but it just won't be as big. Uh, the, the, the big brands will obviously survive. The WSOP will still be a big deal. Uh, the Irish Open will still be a big deal, but a lot of the smaller tours could struggle. That's interesting. Vanessa, two things. I'd love to get your response to what Dara said there, whether you agree or disagree, but also um, you told a story, I think on Twitter today, where you mentioned how you've been pretty much solitary for the last good few months, being very observant of the, the pandemic rules and whatnot, and how you had a kind of a moment with, uh, was it your massage therapist or someone where you... Um, sort of told the person your story of the last couple of days and it was actually quite a nice sort of almost intimate moment between you and I guess it made me really think about how our lives are just so different now and like I'm in my little bubble with my family I can't imagine what it'd be like if I was doing it on my own and you can speak to that I mean I'm interested to know what your take is I mean I was lucky in the first half of the pandemic that I actually I was I was seeing a guy um, and I spent most of it with him and his family. So it's only really been like the last seven months or so that I've been completely on my own, but I do live by myself and it is a lot of time alone. Mm. Um, I often thought it might be better if I had been streaming through these times, because at least then you have interaction with people on a consistent basis. But there were days, like days went by where I would not speak a word out loud to anybody. And it occurred to me, like, I haven't said a word in like, three or four days, just nothing, silence, except maybe to my cat, <laughs> like something I wouldn't even be aware of. But um, it was pretty crazy because even after that, the first time I had a long conversation, I lost my voice almost immediately. And it was, uh, it was like pretty crazy because um, like usually I don't use the phone very much unless we're like doing podcasts or something like that or a stream. Um, I tend to prefer texting. And especially when you end up in isolation, then I'm just like texting and using messenger and like Skype and discord and stuff to talk to people, which yeah, we just like ended up never really speaking with anyone. And it's pretty wild actually how long you can go uh, without encountering people if you're just like mostly able to work from home and not really going out. And with regard to what Dara was saying there about maybe the world never going back to the what we what we once knew as normal, do you agree or do you think there will be a, a sort of a return? I mean, I'm the biggest fan of live poker <laughs> in the industry, so I really hope that that's not true. I also I also don't think it will be true. Like I think I think people will go back to it, and not only that, but. I'm pretty sure the events that have opened up in the States are actually showing record numbers in a lot of cases. Um, I was reading that like, yeah, uh, many of them are breaking records. And I mean, I'm just about to head down to WPT Florida here in a couple of weeks. I guess I'll see what the turnout is there, but I mean, so far it's been really good. I feel like people have been stuck inside for the better part of a year and are just really itching to get back out there and do something social. And especially if poker's involved, if you're heavily involved in poker, like all of us are missing the live component of it. So uh, I think there's a chance it might even come back stronger than before. 
uh, at least for, you know, there might be like an, an effect where it's like it peaks and then like maybe slowly teeters off kind of into some kind of equilibrium. But, um, but I think it'll, it'll be stronger, at least in the short term, like than previously. I think it's also possible that there'll be a geographical component to this. I, I think there's definitely a, a very strong desire for uh, live poker in, in, in the States, but that's, I think that's tied in part to the fact that online isn't as widely available there as, as it is in, in, in Europe, for example. Um, I could definitely see you know, it, it growing in the States, but maybe not coming back to quite what it was in Europe um, or, or other countries where people's habits have changed more to online. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say almost the exact same thing that it does strike me all the time, when, particularly when you're like reading Twitter or whatever. It's like there's two worlds right now. There's the world of all your friends in Vegas, which sounds like 2019. And then there's like the world of you looking at your window and it's like, what the fuck? It's completely different. And no, no more so is it made apparent. Like we were meant to have a DSO here in Malta two weeks ago. That got cancelled. We went back into lockdown. We've been in lockdown for a few weeks now. Uh, no boohoo's here. Jesus, we've been lucky compared to other places in Europe. So you're not going to hear that from me. But, you know, it was just noteworthy that, you know, we, we, we were planning a live event and it got canned pretty quick. Um, we obviously have a friend, Frankie, uh, who is going to try and have an event in Tallinn in about a month's time. We wish him the best with that. Tallinn's one of the lesser hit places right now. So maybe there's a decent chance of that. But you never know on this topic exactly the big one really was the PSPC was cancelled this week. And actually, there was there was a tweet about it. Um, the Stars Live account said we were set to announce PSPC will not take place in 2021. At this time, we can't provide exact dates for when it will take place, but we're committed to running it in Barcelona. Um, I've actually been talking to some people internally in Stars, sort of, you know, getting to grips with what it wasn't. And this was kind of a shit or get off the pot moment for them where I think the Arts Hotel and the the Casino, uh, Casino Barcelona, sorry, um, over there sort of needed to know that they would commit by this week um, or else they would gonna, you know, incur a penalty for holding the rooms or whatever and they weren't willing to risk that. And obviously, you know, Spain is not in a particularly great place from the pandemic's point of view. So it just didn't seem great. Um, Stars put out a, a sort of a video statement, if you want to call it that, saying, we feel we cannot guarantee the safety of our players and our staff. And of course, it's our responsibility to make sure that we can operate in the optimal conditions. Dara, that puts players in a sort of a weird limbo if they won their seats a, a year ago. Now, obviously, you know, I know the terms and conditions basically locks them into doing whatever poker stars see fit with this. And I know stars really do want to have this great event again because it was a, a marquee event when it happened the first time. But it must be frustrating to be sitting on that 25, 30 grand of equity as a grinder, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like, it's a huge, it's 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 a huge buy-in event, and they have so many qualifiers who thought that this event was was going to be long over by now, and now they don't even know when it's going to take place. Everything is getting kicked down the line. I mean, the Irish Open was one of the first big events to to get cancelled this time last year, and you know, one year later, the Irish Open's cancelled again this year. Um, now we're all assuming that this year will will sort things out and things will start to go back to normal next year. Um, and we're certainly strongly hoping that, but but we but there's still so much uncertainty, and we don't know. And it, and, and it is tough for the people who have the the twenty five k there. I almost feel you know it might have been a, a, an idea for them to just say, look, we can't say when this tournament is happening, so just give everybody their their their, their um their buy in. 
Um, and then if they want to play it when it comes back, then fine, but uh, at least don't hold their money in the meantime. But at the same time, I understand the Stars want to run this huge event and they've put a lot of effort and marketing into it and trying to qualify people. So it's a, it, it's a tough spot. It's very unfortunate. I mean, it's just the world we live in now. Yeah, and a lot of those buy-ins were sort of won as well. You know, there's obviously a, a decent number of uh, giveaways. Part, part giveaways of as well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, the Unibet Opens, we announced just a, a couple of weeks ago that we're uh, going to stay with the URL team. Uh, we moved all our uh, live events to online this time last year, and we're going to do it for all of 2021 again. I have to say, I was sort of hold, I would hope that maybe December's event is usually a good one in uh, Bucharest or somewhere like that might have been still on the cards, but I do get why we've sort of taken the, 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 the boxy decision, the the sensible, I think, uh, given all the factors, decision on on this one. Yeah, I felt there was more likely we might get away with a summer stop because you know just for 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 the way viruses work, the numbers tend to drop off in summer and it's safer. But um, it's yeah, I mean, I think cancelling for the year was the only sensible thing to do. It is it is very sad because I mean this is two years in a row now where we haven't had a Unibet Open um, uh, live. That is, uh, but. Um, uh, I'm sure uh, I, I don't doubt like I, I I was I did cast a somewhat pessimistic note earlier about live poker coming back but I don't think Unibet Open would struggle for sure that has such a loyal uh, audience and I actually think the people similar to what Vanessa said the people the people who play that tour are so desperate uh, that they actually come back bigger than ever yeah in Is fact that... I know a lot of people are actually holding their tickets for the first live one they're not even going to play it online in the meantime yeah that makes sense for sure ACR also has a series that they do. It's like a tournament cash hybrid kind of thing multiple times a year down in Costa Rica. And that's been canceled for quite a while. And that's usually like a really fun reunion of like, oh, you know, a lot of the same people go to those because you can win packages online. And so there's people who just grind out the satellites basically into those like $8,000 packages. Um, and we were just talking about it, um, like the group of pros the other day about like really wanting that to come back because it's always a like a really good time. And they're kind of, I think somebody said something about, like about Thanksgiving or the end of the year or something like that, but there's like nothing in stone for us either. I don't think but it'd be great to go back to that again. Like the last few times were super fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I miss the fun times actually with, as you said, they're just getting to hang out with people and, and, and see them all. That's, that's definitely the, the aspect of it I miss the most. Uh, one final topic for this week, and I think you'll both be able to weigh in substantially on this one. Dara, I read Paul Seaton's excellent piece uh, for Gamble Online, where he interviewed you. It was a two-parter, and uh, I think it was in the second part you spoke a bit about solvers, P.O. Snowy, all that good stuff. And um, Vanessa, I know you obviously credit a lot of your recent uh, improvement to P.O. Um, and I think you said maybe on that same stream that you'd bought a really powerful computer to run Sims. So you've obviously got the, the, the setup here, the tech, the tech setup. You can get an even super oh. duper computer now. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, you probably remember more of that stream than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to come to that. I actually had one final question about that, but I'll come to, I, I, I'm far too polite. I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, Dara, in the piece you said, and I quote, sometimes people ask me about a hand and I tell them, I'll put it into the solver and get back to you. Um, and then they go, oh, what's your opinion though? And you go, who cares about my opinion? It literally doesn't matter at all. Um, you said that when Negranu went off to get a hand solved during the Pulp Challenge. Um, it seemed like he wanted the solver to sort of back up what he had done or give him positive reinforcement, where completely conversely, whenever Doug was talking about it, he didn't seem to have any emotional attachment to being right. He just wanted the data and then 
move on with that information now, you know, in the memory banks. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it, it, I mean, this is something that Doug spoke to us about, and uh, it, it was interesting, and it and it absolutely jives with a lot of what I've seen in my students. The more recreational students who are more used to playing live, when they ask me about a hand and I run it, it's like they're really annoyed or disappointed if it turns out that the solver doesn't agree with them, and they start justifying it. Well, well, oh, this and all that, and and, and so on. Whereas the the the, the more um, hardened online grinders, like they have no emotion attachment to the result; they just want to know what the right play was. Uh, sometimes they don't even tell me what play they took. They just want to know what they should have done. Um, and that, and that, that's, that's an interesting difference in perspective, I think. Um, like you shouldn't really feel any emotional attachment to whether you happened to guess right in the moment or not, if you didn't know what to do in a spot. Really, the, the important data point is to recognize that you didn't actually know what to do in the spot and you need to go off and check it. Um, now, it's obviously nice if you have this wonderfully intuitive brain and you're usually right. But at the end of the day, it's far more important to be constantly looking for mistakes, leaks in your own game and going off and checking. Um, and it does kind of annoy me when people ask me for opinions, because uh, for me, the great thing about PO is it got rid of opinions. When 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 we used to have a, a t tough hand 10 years ago, we, we debated among ourselves and it kind of came down to who was the best debater. Uh, um, rather than who was actually right. Now it's just like, yeah, put it in PO. This, this is the range. These are the bet sizes. Now tell us, t t tell us what the right thing to do is. Um, I mean, I get that for, for some people that's kind of taking the romance out of the game. Um, and that's actually something Paul touched on in the piece as well. But that's just the way, that's just where we are now. Uh, we, we, we're, we're in a situation where the computers could figure out these spots much better than us. So that's, that's really what the approach should be. Well said. Well, Vanessa, how easy or hard did you find adapting to this kind of study? Um, not difficult, honestly. You can buy a pile for, if, I mean, it's expensive if you have $500 and then watch a 30-minute YouTube video. And if you have a pretty solid understanding of poker, um, I'd say that you could know how to use that tool in, yeah, like an hour. <laughs> Um, and what do you kind of think it has done for your game more specifically, obviously in general, maybe, you know, it's, it's sort of training your brain to the, the game theory optimal lines, but like, is there a sort of, um, you know, a regime where you sort of like maybe input the 10 interesting hands from the night before a session, let the computer run for a few hours, go have a coffee, have a run, probably in your case, and then come back and see, you know, what the output is? Um. So mostly like what I've been doing is just, yeah, tagging hands and then reviewing them kind of uh, at, at the end of a session. I think I started with though, checking a lot of my assumptions because I never really had any formal coaching at any point. I kind of just watched what other people did in a lot of spots, like people who I knew were winners and kind of picked up as much of that as possible. And so I think there were a lot of spots where it's like, I think you're supposed to three bet this and then continuation bet 33% or whatever. Um, so I ran like a lot of really common spots at first, like just to see like, what do you, what do you do with this really common, like ace king offsuit out of position, 30 big blind spot um, or, you know, or whatever, 50 big blinds and just see like what, how, how this is supposed to play out in an ideal scenario. And if like you ever want to use different sizes or if, you know, there's a lot of spots pile will say like, like 30% of the time you're doing this like and then 60% of the time you're doing this and then the other 10 you just ignore more or less because it's 
whatever. But like there are, that's why like some people use like ran, random number generators basically to see like, to decide for them if there's like a spot where it's like 50% of the time you check, 50% of the time you do this, you bet whatever amount, and then they'll just like use a random number to choose for them. Um, so like some of those spots, like seeing that actually either route is okay. And here's how it plays out. If you choose the check route, that means on the next street on these board textures, then you're going to be doing this move. But if you bet, then it like maybe plays out differently because you're representing a different range and all these kind of things. And like, it doesn't tell you how to interpret this information. So I think the, the like most value comes from like, if you input a hand and then you look at the spot, like to make sure you check and see like, okay, I had ace king in the spot, but if I had had ace 10 or if I had pocket nines, like what, how should I be playing instead? Same thing for the opponent. Like don't necessarily just look at the hands you actually had, but like all of the way that this might play out at these stacked ups in this texture, like while you already put the time in to let it run and you get the results, like take a look at how all the hands that could be in play would play in this scenario. And then you get a better idea. Like, okay, if he has a flush draw just in general, with a flush draw with overs, he should probably be playing it this way uh, versus like a made hand is going to be played differently if it's our opponent or whatever. And you can get a sense of like, like you're looking for patterns, basically. Like Pyle will tell you like this type of hand will be played in this way. And like, that's what you want to look, look at for like different board textures, basically. Yeah, that's really eloquently put. Um, so that's sort of the really good stuff. And that's sort of the, um, the, the, the ways in which I, I find both of you quite inspiring people. Now I have a bone to pick with you, uh, Vanessa Cade. And uh, I, I always save the controversial bit till the end, because just in case, because sometimes you get a storm off and we want to, at least we've banked this bit <laughs> of the interview uh, until then. So after winning 1.5, again, million dollars, uh, three nights ago, you jumped on stream, which was very good because you have a lot of legacy fans from your Twitch days and you have a lot of fans in general who knew that would be the place to find you. Your choice of booze to celebrate was very, very disappointing, i got to say. It started okay with some tequila. You're such a snob, David. You really are. It, it did start okay. It seemed like things were fine. There was a little bit of tequila at the beginning. I thought, okay, this is nice. I might even get a tequila myself and, and virtually cheers you while watching the stream. And then you moved to chocolate liqueur. Then there was peppermint schnapps. By the end, you were just like necking a, kind of half a bottle of limoncello straight. It was very grim viewing, i got to say. I was very worried for the hangover you were going to have. Can you please explain? yourself <laughs> look i drink like one time a year maybe like a couple times a year and, and like usually it's for the stream just for fun like i'll just get trashed one time a year on stream but um i this is like these are the random bottles i have bought for some drinking stream like a year and a half ago and so we had like just i just pulled out whatever was in the front of the liquor cabinet it didn't even matter it's like good there's like two bottles of tequila that each have like a fifth of the bottle left and then this is like whatever. I just picked up the first five bottles. <laughs> it did. It did. It did feel sort of like emptying, emptying the, or raiding the bottom of the of the booze uh, cabinet. The stuff that hadn't been drunk in a while. But I have to say though, that was that was probably the most enjoyable Twitch stream I've ever seen. It, it was great that Vanessa went on immediately afterwards, um, because you know you can sometimes think when you're looking at social media, Twitter in particular, that everybody is horrible and we're all just arguing and shouting all the time. But I. I I always say to people like that the the tweets um, and social media that I put out that gets the most likes are they're always celebrations like I won this tournament or 
something something else could happen. Most people are actually very nice people, and they're genuinely rooting for you. Um, uh, but they but but they're quiet people, so you don't hear them as much as the people who are going to jump down your throat as soon as as soon as you do something they mildly disagree with. Um, so it was great to see twenty two hundred people or whatever the number was, like literally tuning in just to see Vanessa getting drunk, being drunk and happy. <laughs> And it was great because you had that chat with your mom and your family were in the background. That was so sweet to watch. And then still Nagy called you up. It was a great stream. There's loads going on. Um, I, I have to say, yeah, totally second what Dara said there. It, it was really good. I don't know what time it finished at. And I, and I, am I right in saying you did go to bed before her, Dara? Because that would be a rare. Yeah, thing. yeah. I went to bed at 6am. It was still going strong. I was like, I'm actually worried that I'm, she might still be drinking when I wake up. Um <laughs> Excellent. I actually don't remember the second half of that stream at all. I don't remember it. <laughs> Luckily, you can watch the replay now, and you'll probably find the spot where I was in your Twitch stream chat, and I made you say a very famous Irish phrase. I remember this because I had said, um, I, I don't even know how this came up, but... Uh, you mentioned you had I, Irish I, roots. Saying, what's that? You mentioned you had Irish roots, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah, my... Um, my dad always said he was Irish, but we don't really know for sure. And we kind of have a suspicion that maybe he just really likes the idea of being Irish. And so he's just told us that. And so we don't really know. Um, and, and so I probably just like was like drunk. So yeah, I'm like half Irish or whatever it was. And then you guys would have called me on that like immediately. <laughs> I remember having to say some sentence. I'm like, is that even English? Like, what are these words? I don't know. I like, what, what did you have me say? What is that? Are you going to tell her, David? No, you do. Derek. You actually made a more famous person. I made, I made David Boy say it on a stage in Dublin once. Yeah, it's actually, it's Chucky Orlow, which is Irish for our, our, our day will come but it's more famous for being the IRA slogan. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> You're welcome, Vanessa Kate. I'm available for any PR needs. At any <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's probably a clip of that. So why would you do that to me? That's awful. <laughs> um, on that note, we're going to conclude our chats on different topics of the week. But as usual, we will finish with a Dara strategy tidbit. I believe it will be a topical tidbit this week. It is a topical tidbit because actually just as we were coming on to uh, uh, to record this, somebody tagged me on Twitter uh, asking me about Berkey saying yesterday that the Ace King was a clear call uh, when, when Vanessa shoved the fives. Um, <clears throat> It was just, again, I'm, I'm back to like, my opinion doesn't matter here. So I just literally ran it in HRC and surprise, surprise, it, con it confirmed that Berkey was correct. But, now, but then a whole huge debate broke out about, yeah, but like it's a once in a lifetime spot. Does he really want to take it for all this risk? Where I came down on it in, in the end is that with the greatest of respect to uh, Pancho, whatever his name was, uh, the, 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 the one man who wouldn't do a deal, having railed the entire final table I was pretty confident that he was the weakest of the three players left and actually was at a fairly significant uh, skill disadvantage to Vanessa and the, and, and the Polish gentleman. So in that spot, I think when you are the weakest player, you might as well gamble for it. Um, it's probably your best shot, you know, win a flip and, 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 and rather than bleed chips gradually. If, he, if, it, if it was Vanessa in the same spot on the button, I would actually fold because <clears throat> Vanessa, to my mind, was, was the best player left and shouldn't want to take uh, a high-risk gamble spot. Um, it's basically but, yeah, it, it was close enough. Sorry. 
Um, I was going to say like, I, the information I got was that this guy was like a high stakes pro. So that's why I was shocked when he like snapped it off. I was like, wow, he like, you didn't even think about that. Like, honestly, I think in that spot, I'm probably folding ace king. I mean, I'm like seeing my Twitter notifications right now where they're saying it's a call, but, um, even like all the scenarios we ran, it was like, you know, you're like basically making 7,000 to $25,000 on like, on a million dollar effective jump. Right. So it's like neg- negligible. It's like zero. It might, it's like dust, right? So it's basically saying the call is break even. And like you said, I basically agree that if you're a pro and you think you have any kind of skill advantage or are even matched that you should be taking like the less variance routes and just trying to like stay out of big pots and just keep things small and just slowly chip up versus if you're a recreational player and you feel like the other players are better, 100% take those spots because you're going to get outplayed everywhere else. Yeah, I have no idea where the information came that he was a 2K pro because everybody who shark scoped him found that he had an average buy-in of $13. Uh, uh, I, can, I, I know they said it on the star screen. I, I can let you know how it happened. So somebody uh, informed one of the commentators on the star stream that he was a 1K, 2K hyper reg. Yeah. That's and, what I heard, yeah. and that's how that rumor got out. But you're quite right, Dara. Uh, we had a few guys in our uh, Irish chat group immediately check the sharks and go, uh, 1K, 2K hyper reg, his average buy is 13. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that that, 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 that that was definitely false information. I mean, we, I was watching it in, in real time, obviously, uh, really, Vanessa, and somebody said it to me on Messenger. And I was like, literally immediately, I said, like, there's no way this guy is a... Is a is a one k two k just 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 simple stuff like bet sizing was like just so suboptimal that it just wasn't possible that this was anything other than a, a recreational pair in, to my mind. Um, yeah, I, like couple hands I saw on the, like cards up coverage, he picked some like good spots to three bet light, and I was like, man, like that's a really like I think there's one with like ace jack offsuit he three bet. I'm like, I I love that spot right there. Like, and it's such an easy hand to three bet fold, and he just picks up chips so much of the time. And then I think I think it was him. He was on my left for a while too. And like the small, every time he's in the small blind, I just got like he three bet the shit out of me. And like a lot of his plays that I saw were like seemed like really strong plays. And the like two or three hands I saw him in on the stream coverage, he also seemed very good. So and then like somebody had told me this guy is like a two K hyper reg. I'm like that makes sense. And then like basically hadn't updated anything past that until I saw him like snap off with the ace king, and I was like holy shit. And it took me like to the turn to even register like the situation we were in. Yeah, it was it was the moment. It was all the cheddar moment. Uh, it, it was quite the moment uh, in your poker career. The one thing you said, and we'll maybe end on this note, Vanessa. You said that it hadn't sunk in yet, which was very understandable on the night. Three days later, has it begun to sunk in? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still like I haven't moved my money off of stars so I just I have it sitting here and can see the one <laughs> I, I have bought nothing like I, I I don't know it's not real yet no <laughs> there, there yeah, was a time in the history of online poker where it would have been a good idea to take that money off as quick as yeah. possible yeah let me just send a word of warning too if somebody got, me to be Paul Newey contacts you uh, on Skype saying he wants to do a swap for Bitcoin don't do it <laughs> the, there's a scammer doing the rounds at the moment Feel like there's probably a few already in my dms <laughs> <laughs> excellent vanessa cade we are so overjoyed for your success it was the perfect ending to a saga it's got to be said couldn't have scripted it better darrow kearney thank you so much as usual vanessa cade thank you thank you both thanks
Bob, Bob. Okay. Vanessa, thanks so much. I hope that's roughly your time, is it? It is. It's perfect. Okay. My McMuffin's still sitting outside. Oh, what? Sorry. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. This your is McMuffin. my last cheat day. It's my last <laughs> cheat day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So, 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 so your McDonald's Uber Eats delivery guy arrived during the interview and you are too ashamed on our podcast to we go were, collect your little literally it was, when it was delivered we were talking about fitness and stuff i'm like i literally i can't get up right i can't get up right now and be like i'm sorry my mcdonald's is here brb like <laughs> i'm like it, like explain that after i just went on some rant about being healthy like there's no way so, so it didn't take much to pull back the curtain daryl what do you think oh no 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 well <laughs> like uh, like you'd be absolutely insufferable if this was you david you'd be absolutely insufferable <laughs> I, w- I don't think I'd order McDonald's though three days later. I don't think you'd be talking to anybody. It's only an egg McMuffin. They're not that bad. And I told my trainer this. I saw him this morning. He said he's such a like almost scary dude where like he knows that this happened because I'm like telling him if I make day three, I'm not going to be able to make our session tomorrow. So like I hope I have to cancel on you. And then I sent him a message in the morning. I'm like, yeah, so there's like 65 left. And he's like, okay, was this message for me? And I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you I'm not coming in. And and when I saw him today, he's like, you know, so like you had a couple of cheat days, which like, you know, I'll I'll like give you permission for. I'm like, man, that was happening happening whether you were giving me permission or not. Like, let's be honest. And his answer was just like, fuck you. And then we're just getting back on the diet thing. So, so yeah. Uh, if if he sees this, I'm going to tell him this podcast was recorded yesterday. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm now going to ask your permission. Can we keep that in? Because I think that's just too good. That's gold. Okay, new <laughs> ending. New ending. Now we're going. Okay, everybody, we've kept it in. You know that now. And I want to say, Daryl Cardi, thank you so much, Vanessa Cade. Go eat your McMuffin. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll See, tell you what actually put me off at uh, McDonald's. My my oldest son used to work at McDonald's, and one of his jobs was to bring the the rubbish out at the end of the shift. And it was there was like an enclosed area behind the McDonald's. Can you tell me this right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling the story now. This is to get you back on the right track. All these obese pigeons wandering around. They were so obese that they couldn't actually fly anymore. Oh, no. This was their world now. Oh my god. Amazing. I thought it was gonna be some like story about how like the food was all gross and they're just like had it sitting. No, no, the food is no, the food is fine. It's just not very healthy. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.